The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Back in October of 2023, we lost a precious church member to an unexpected death. The next day, which was Sunday, the Lord led us in the message to a passage in 2 Corinthians that emphasizes our eternal hope in Christ. What a help it is to us and what a help it was to us as a church on that day to know that Christ died for us and this life that we see around us is not the end there is something much greater waiting for us. Join us today as we begin looking at this great hope, which is found only in the good news that Jesus died to put away our sins and that one day these bodies will be resurrected and be with him forever. First, we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy. Then please stay tuned for the message.
Turn, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we read some really sweet, precious, I hope comforting words. Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul had had begun to uh, get on to the Corinthians there for some of the things they were doing and, and reminding them of some of the things that they needed to be reminded of culminating in chapters 13 and chapter 15. In chapter 13, he reminded them what love's all about. In chapter 15, he reminded them what our hope's all about. And as he came back in in the second letter to the Corinthians, he kind of clarified some things and expanded upon some things. And he comes down in this fourth chapter to a point where he makes this statement in verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. He says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In these three verses here, the Apostle Paul probably summarizes that which we ought to be thinking about daily in a better way than anywhere else. He says, there is a reason that we don't faint as we struggle through this low ground of sin and sorrow. Now, quite frankly, if we didn't keep these things in mind that he's going to tell us about, we would faint. We would lose hope. We would end up in despair. Those who've lost sons and daughters, those who've lost loved ones, those who are struggling with sickness, those who are dealing with dementia, those who are dying of cancer, those who are having all these other issues that are out there would lose hope. I know of of what I speak. Because I lose hope when I don't keep my mind on the right things. But you see, Paul here says that there's something better, there's something more than what we see. He says, for which cause we faint not. In other words, don't faint. He tells the Galatians, keep on keeping on. He says says that you will reap in due time if you faint not. He said, don't be weary in well-doing. You know, the world tells us that everything we're doing here is futile. The world tells us that coming here and spending an hour and a half on Sunday mornings and maybe an hour and a half on Sunday nights and maybe one or two Wednesday nights a month is futile. The world tells us that when we go out into the world and we don't cheat like everybody else and we don't treat everybody else in the way they treat us, but instead we do good to them, that that is futile, that is vanity, that is vain. You know, Solomon came to that conclusion too. And go read the book of Ecclesiastes. That's the most depressing book you'll ever read. You know that? <laughs> Unless you remember to read the last chapter. But see, all of those first 11 chapters primarily, and in part of the last chapter, that 12th chapter, deal with a view that's only under the sun. You know, I, I, was, I was once a young man, Brother Mackey. You probably say I still am, but I was once... 22, like Mason. I was once in my 30s. Okay, I'm 56 now. Brother Warren 
was 75. That used to be ancient, you know. I used to think that's just elderly, you know. 75 ain't that far away for me. And suddenly I'm here, and it didn't take, doesn't seem like it took 56 years to get to 56. And now I'm not on the uphill climb, I'm on the downhill slide. <laughs> Unless, you know, I, I don't expect to live to 112, so I think I'm past the halfway point in my life. And it came quickly, and it passed swiftly. And if all I could look at in my life is sit down and go back and see how quickly it got here. I mean, I was Cal's age one time. And now I am, as I said, on the downhill slide. I'm over halfway to my destination. And if all I looked at was that, I would be, I would be very, very much in despair. Here's what Paul says. He says, there's a reason that we faint not. He says, though our outward man perish. Our outward man is perishing. But notice what he says. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. See, we don't just believe in the outward man. We believe there's an inward man. And I am so thankful. What a despair I would be in if all I had was the carnal man, the flesh. Not just the body, but the fleshly man. You know what Paul tells us? In the book of Romans 8 chapter, he says the carnal mind. That's what I tend to unfortunately deal with most of the time. The carnal mind is enmity against God. He, he takes us over. You, we won't turn there this morning, but turn to the third chapter. In the first and the third chapter of Romans sometimes, you'll learn just how depraved you are by nature. I don't have to just look outside and see depravity. I don't have to look out there and learn that we live in a fallen world. I can look inside. Let's just turn back over to Romans chapter 7. Paul had this same experience. In Romans chapter 7, he's, he's dealing not with the outward man. He's not dealing with you or somebody else out there that he looks at and says, oh boy, those folks are really depraved. In chapter 7 of Romans, he's dealing with him, his own depravity, his own sin nature. He says, you know, and he starts off down there in... Uh, uh, talking about the law in verse 7 he says is the law is the law sin is the law the problem he said God forbid he said I, I had not known sin but by the law and he goes on to talk about some of those specific sins and his point is is that it's not the law the law is not the problem the law of, you know laws of men can sometimes be messed up the law of God is always perfect it's always perfect it's not the problem was not the law the problem was that he couldn't keep the law and he says in verse 11, sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. And he said the law is holy and commandment holy and just and good. And then he goes down in verse 14 and states the case here of the problem. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. He goes so far as to say in verse 24, to use that term that people want to edit out of amazing grace. That term wretch, I heard there was a movement some years ago to change that. Don't change it for me. Because that's the best word I know of to state the case I'm in. Because I'm a wretch. It saved a wretch like me. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Think about if all we had was a carnal man. Think about if it was up to you and I to make ourselves better, to evolve 
or to climb up the ladder and eventually get good enough to where we could we could experience some spiritual blessings. It would be a pointless endeavor and it would be a despair-filled life. Let me just tell you. He says, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 6 of chapter 8, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And here he gives us a little in- insight into what uh, it is he's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says in, back in 2 Corinthians, he says, though our outward man perish, we're dying daily, we are not just dying outwardly either in, in the flesh, the body, but we are continuing to, continuing to live in death as a carnal man. That carnal side of us continually sins. But he says, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It's so important that we understand how this inward man came to be. And it's so important that we understand as his children that even in the midst of all the struggles that we engage in in life, we have something better. We've got something within us that's perfect. Did you know that? We've got something. Look, look over in just a page or two over in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5 and verse 17. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, I know in the book of Revelation, he talks about all old things passing away and all things becoming new. And one day, that's not only, that's going to be our experience in life. You know, right now we don't experience that, do we? Everything around us is old and passing away, old and dead and dying and and, and filled with sin. And, and, you know, I don't commit... I don't ever do a good deed where sin is not present with me. That's what Paul said back over in 7th chapter of Romans. He said, when I would do good, sin's present with me. Even when you do a good deed, when you give to the poor, when you're charitable, when you're kind and loving to your wife and family, to your fellow church members, even then, somewhere deep inside you sometimes, but it's there, there is a corrupted sin nature. And you never do anything completely pure. But there is within us something that is a new creature. Look over at 1 John just for a second. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18. Listen to this, child of God. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Isn't it hard to believe sometimes that there's something inside of us that does not sin when we see ourselves as wicked sinners all the time? Constantly. Constantly. We're constantly sinning. You know, even, look, even the babies. I love my grandson, you know, better than you could love anybody. You'd have to be bigger than I am to love him more than I do. But he's a sinner. <laughs> he's a sinner. He looks like, he can act like a saint. Now, he can act like a little angel, you know. But, you know, I remember, I don't know what he's going to be like as he grows up, but I can remember being that little angel too. And usually when I was being a little angel, it's because I had an ulterior motive that I was wanting something, you know. I was wanting something. You know, I remember my children, my own children, you know. You ever had this happen? You, their parents, you go to, go to mama and say, mama, can I do this? No, you can't. Then go to daddy and say, daddy, can, you, can I do this? No, and mom had said no. 
And of course, daddies being dumber than mamas usually, they say, yeah, sure, you can do it. And, you know, just come in there with an ulterior motive, you see. All these precious little children, they're little sinners. They're sin- they have a sin nature. David said, I come forth, the wicked come forth from the womb speaking lies. That's that wicked nature within all of us. He said, in sin did my mother conceive me, and in iniquity was I brought forth. He wasn't brought forth as some innocent creature that could go either way. He, we don't have to teach our children to sin. You know, we don't have to teach them how to be selfish. They know how to be selfish. I pick on Mason all the time because we recently watched, it hadn't been too long ago, watched some videos when he was about three years old and Asher was about two and, and, it, and they had 500 Thomas the Train toys. Five, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, they were all out there and Asher was over visiting and everyone Asher would pick up, Mason would go grab, you know. And he got to the point he couldn't even hold them all. He was holding them in his arm and they were spilling out. But he, buddy, he wasn't going to let Asher play with So I didn't have to teach him that. We didn't sit down one day and say, let's have a lesson in selfishness. Now, now he's grown out of that. Let me just say that now. He doesn't do that to Asher anymore. But, uh, but my point is, is that we are born sinners and there's something within us. And it's hard for me sometimes to believe that I can even please God. But yet there's something within me. And Paul says, remember that. He says, don't forget that in you, he said, the inward man is renewed day by day. And you know, sometimes I believe that those who are, for example, in the condition Brother Warren was in or in the condition we see ourselves getting into, that there's something about living a long life that as a child of God prepares us for the transition from this world to the next. Because you know there's a time when your life becomes a burden to you. I saw my father get in that condition. Some of you have loved ones that are in that condition. Brother Warren, in a very short time, experienced that. But there's a time when going home is best. I mean, it always is best. But there's a time when we come to see that, you see. And that's because even as weak as our outward man becomes, the inward man does not, the strength of the inward man does not dissipate. And, and, and look, child of God, if you'll stay in the world, if you'll exercise that inward man, he'll just get stronger. And you don't need physical strength to do that. You don't. My grandmother, who passed away at 90 years old and had gotten into where she couldn't hardly get up and down out of the chair, she was... She was so struggling. She said, I can't get no better and I can't get no worse. And she wanted to do one or the other. She was ready to go home. Why is the Lord leaving me here? Well, I'll tell you one reason is because I never saw that patient strength flag. I just saw it get stronger as she got older. As her body got weak, she got stronger inside. That inward man, you see, is renewed day by day as we focus upon the things that we should be. And look at verse 17. This, is, this gets me every time I read it. Going back to 2 Corinthians 4. Look at verse 17. For our light affliction. Our light affliction, he says. I'm not asking you for a show of hands here, but I'm asking you to think about it. How many of you have experienced persecution for being a Christian? Okay, We've all experienced it to some extent or another. We've all experienced tribulations. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. That, that shall is just as hard a shall as that he shall save his people from their sins. 
Tribulation is here. It is real. It is coming. And listen, don't dismiss it and say, oh well, big deal. Because when you see somebody struggling like Job was, we need to be sympathetic and empathetic and love them and be there for them because it's real. It's real. The disciples really thought they were going to drown. It was a real storm they were dealing with. So we don't diminish that. But yet Paul says light afflictions. You want to read about Paul's light afflictions? Just turn a couple of pages over. Turn a couple of pages over to chapter 11 of this same book. And let's read about Paul's light afflictions. He says in verse 24 of 2 Corinthians 11, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. I don't consider that light affliction. He was beaten with a cat of nine tails, with a whip. Five times, 39 strikes each. 39 lashes with the whip five different times in his life up to this point. And he's not dead yet. He's going to experience more. That's not all the experience. So look, thrice I was beaten with rods. My goodness. And he didn't say how many times they hit him each time, but three different times he was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. I don't think those are light afflictions, my friends. <laughs> when I look at that, I'm thinking one lash with a whip would be enough for me. I'm a baby when it comes to pain. But he was beaten five times with a whip and three times with rods, and he was even stoned and left for dead. Stoned by his countrymen, shipwrecked. And then look, it doesn't end there. You think, well, that ought to be, you know, if I had, I've, I've told you this before, but I know my nature too well, Brother Mackey. <clears throat> you know, if I just got beaten two or three times, somebody came up to, with a, a rod with a rod to me and said, you old Christian, I want you to quit preaching. And they hit me three times with a rod. And I hope I wouldn't quit preaching. But, you know, I know myself well enough to know that, as I said, I'm a baby when it comes to pain. I'd probably be not as strong as these old martyrs were. But, but I hope I wouldn't quit and I'd keep preaching. But you know what I'd do? Every time I preached, I'd tell somebody about it. <laughs> I'd say, well, I just, you know, humbly bragging. You know, what do we call it? Humble bragging. Isn't that right? So bragging about how humble you are, you know. I don't think that's humility, by the way. Uh, you know, well, uh, when I was beaten with those rods, I learned thus and such. When I was, you know, look, it's okay to look back on your experience. And it's okay from time to time to share your experience. But, you know, I think I know myself well enough. I'd be tempted if I just had one rod laid across my back to count that as, boy, I was persecuted so badly. But look at Paul. Compare that to Paul. Three times. Five times. Shipwreck three times. He, it's constant. It's light affliction. Light affliction. He says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Reckon what Paul is looking at. Reckon what he's thinking about 
when he makes this statement. Is he looking around him? Is he looking around him and somehow said, well, you know, God's working all this out for good or it's all working for my good. Let me tell you something. Those beatings didn't work for his good. Those rods didn't work for his good. They were working against him. They weren't working for him. They were working against him. But you know what? We, the, the thing that he kept in mind, notice he says, he says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, he says, I'm not looking anymore at these light afflictions. And the only way I can consider them light afflictions is found in verse 18. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen. If you look around you at all the things that we see, at all the things that we're experiencing, then it becomes heavy afflictions. Turn back over, turn back over to Ecclesiastes. We mentioned that earlier. Notice what he says in the book of Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter. Now remember, as you begin reading the book of Ecclesiastes, you have to keep in mind the context. He says, you don't have to turn there, but back in verse one, verse 1 of chapter 1, he says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, this identifies himself as Solomon. He says, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Well, wait a minute. Don't we serve a God that says it's not all emptiness? Well, notice his view. He says, what profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Under the sun is the theme of Ecclesiastes. He's decided to go out and find out, discover all things that happen here on this earth. From an earthly standpoint, from an earthly view, and he says, he begins right there, he says, one generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth. He said, this is all I see around me. It's just life and death and day-to-day -day struggle. And over in chapter 3, or chapter 4 rather, in verse 1, he says, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. My goodness. We have access to... 24-hour-a-day news. And we see oppressions constantly. He says he considered all the oppressions. What? Think about what all we see. Have you read about and watched some of the news reports about this Hamas incursion into Israel? I saw a picture on the news of a little baby bed that was covered with blood. What a horrible sight that was. What a terrible thing. We've already had prayer requests this morning for, for someone who lost a, ch a son. And some of you have experienced that, have lost children. I can't think of anything worse in this life than the loss of a child. And that the oppressions that are in, and some of these, you know, I dealt with it when I was a prosecutor all the time. I was dealing with somebody who had stolen from somebody or taken, stolen their property or even stolen their lives. The wickedness that men do to each other, you can't tell me much about it. I've seen it. And if you just turn on your TV, you'll see it too. He was considering all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power, but they had no comforter. Isn't that what we see under the sun? Don't we constantly see that the wicked are in control and the righteous are being persecuted? That's the struggle we're having in America, isn't it? We're struggling with the fact that we have people who are in charge of this country who have unbiblical ideas about things and that hate those that have biblical ideas. I, I just put up some basic ads in my campaign this past week, just 
to kind of let anybody that might think they want to run know that I'm running hard, you know, because we have our qualifying open tomorrow. I've already gotten one or two attacks on Facebook. Uh, one person five, uh, posted something yesterday or today because in there I just said something about faith, you know, family, faith, the rule of law, and somebody's already attacked the fact that I said something about faith. You see, people hate the faith of our fathers, the faith that this Bible teaches. People hate it. And many of them are in control. And that's what he's saying here. He said, I, I, I considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. They had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power. There's power on the side of the wicked in this world. But they had no comforter. In verse 2, notice his conclusion that he came to by just looking around him. He says, Wherefore I praise the dead, which are already dead, more than the living which are yet alive. Yea, better is he than both they which hath not yet been who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. In other words, if all you look at in this life is what you see around you, you're going to say, I would be better off dead. I would be better off not to be here. Now, let me just give you a little footnote right there. Just a second, okay? We who understand the grace of God and the ultimate end that we're going to talk about in a moment of the child of God, we understand that that is indeed true. <laughs> you know, we've said this many times. I've said this many times, and we discussed it with Brother Warren's family this, this past couple of days. The day we die as a child of God is the best day of our lives. So, yeah, you know, sometimes you hear people like Job saying, I just wish I was dead. Sometimes you'll hear somebody who's a child of God that has the right vision saying, man, I wish I was dead. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> you know, that's a different thought than some kind of suicidal uh, depression, right? That's, that's the idea that we understand that there's something better. And that's what we, this brings us to. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, Paul says, but at the things which are not seen. Because you see, we believe in an eternal glory. Remember what he said. He said, the, thing, the light afflictions that are but for a moment, they work for us. They stir up within us this remembrance and this idea that there's a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory that we're looking forward to, that we're coming to. He's saying, I can consider my afflictions light. I can, sit, I can consider my losses as nothing while I look not at the things under the sun that we see, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. 
For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.